Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hicks! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns all right this is george thomas with the akron beacon journal i'm joined with browns writers nate ulrich and marla reidenauer who are in kansas city working on deadline and they'd like to sleep tonight so we're gonna do a few quick hits and get the heck out of here guys i want your first overall impression of what you saw this afternoon first of all then we'll go into some detail about a couple things go ahead marla well i mean i guess the close but you know coming close every time against the chiefs is demoralizing but to me i think it's a a great sign that you're able to go toe to toe with our you know the best team in the afc you know for two you know two straight games so um I mean, the self-inflicted wounds, I mean, some of that, I mean, it was some mind-boggling things that I thought cost him. I mean, I'm not looking at Baker throwing a pick, trying to make a play at the end. I'm looking at the Gillen muffing the punt, and I'm looking at Ronnie Harrison getting ejected. And I mean, I mean, if those, if the Gillen thing doesn't happen, you know, maybe if you have Ronnie, you know, the defense is more solid down the stretch. I just, I feel like they created their own, uh, they killed themselves, you know, with with that kind of stuff. I thought this was kind of if you're going to lose, this is the perfect way to lose the opener, right? Of course, in the perfect world, you want to win. I mean, that goes without saying, but if you're going to lose, you lose at Arrowhead and take some really valuable lessons away. Now, I know they lost you in the playoffs, but that this was a different game. I mean, these are two different teams this is a new season the browns have a new defense the chiefs have a new offensive line by the way patrick mahomes played in the entire game this time as opposed to you know in january 17th game when he didn't play for most of the second half after going into concussion protocol so this was like the full chiefs experience uh granted odell beckham jr didn't play for the browns tyron matthew didn't play for the chiefs so i think you can kind of call that a wash but to come in here and have the Chiefs on the ropes and exactly where you wanted them and have a fluky play like Jamie Gillen dropping the snap um, really kind of, you know, change the tide there. You know, I think that the Browns can come out of it looking at a lot of good things they did, but looking at how you have to be capable and composed down the stretch, as Miles Garrett said. He said the Chiefs 
we're the more capable and composed team that uh, matters most. And that's what you're going to get a team that's been to the last two Super Bowls. That's what you're going to get from them. And the Browns emphatically checked the box that they can win games last season. But to win these tight ones in this kind of atmosphere against this kind of team, that's another level. And I think that there can be lessons learned from this to help them get there. So you basically think this is going to teach them how to finish? Well, we've talked for years about the Browns weren't able to finish. And they weren't able to finish like any game. But I think that finishing a game like this is different than finishing your average game because of the opponent, the atmosphere uh, here at Arrowhead. And so, yeah, I do think that there's a level up for them to, you know, seal the deal in a game like this. And, you know, I, I just think that they came out on fire and, uh, you know, scoring a touchdown each of the three possessions, being ultra aggressive, going for it on the fourth downs, going for the two-point conversion after the uh, – penalty on the Chiefs you know I think there's a lot of good things to take from it um, but you know the bottom line is crunch time against one of the best in the NFL let's look at some of the good real quick play calling I mean it, it, from what I saw today and Marlo I saw you your headline on your column but st- Kevin Stefanski looks like he's a next-level play caller. And he's just going to go for it. He doesn't care. He's playing to win. And it's, it's really different to see in today's NFL. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I wrote my column about that. I mean, I really thought he showed, gave a hint of how much he's going to grow and this offense is going to grow in his second season. I mean, his – his play calling in the first half was like un- incredible. I mean, uh, you know, it seemed like everything was perfect, you know. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I guess there was a, some rumblings around here that some fans out in the parking lot, Browns fans wanted him fired, but it wasn't, you know, like that's not his fault. That, I mean, that, you know, you made some errors, you know, players made some errors. I just thought that the, this is a really good sign for where this offense is going. And I feel like, you know, you hear so much about Andy Reid and how creative and smart and everything he is. And I feel like Stefanski showed a glimpse of that and how he's grown in this game. Who are organizing play at the end of the first half like that? And that was high level organization on that play. I mean, it looks like everybody was exactly where they practiced it. You know what I mean? It wasn't willy-nilly until the end when they got cornered. But blocking lines were set up. Everything was set up on that play. And Well, he's a he's a detail fanatic, and you can tell, you know. they've. I'm sure they worked on that um, while we were not allowed to watch this week. Have you been, Nate? I mean, I think we need to talk a little bit about the defense, right? I mean, you have the nine new starters from week one of 2021 compared with week one of 2020. Uh, You know, I thought that there were some bright spots, but, you know, this is Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and all those guys showed up big time. And, you know, to me, it was unfortunate for John Johnson III, who we've watched have just a tremendous training camp and 
had some really good moments in the game and then just got turned around in coverage there on, on that Tyree kill 75 yard touchdown, uh, you know, right after the Browns had gone up by nine and I was kind of trying to keep track of the CBS telecast and uh, you know, they showed Jimmy Haslam in his sweep and it looked like he was kind of breathing the sigh of relief uh, when the Browns, <laughs> the Browns went up nine, but with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, look what can happen. And I think it was three minutes and six seconds is all it took the Chiefs to score two touchdowns after the Browns went up by nine with that that Kareem Hunt touchdown run. But I don't know if you guys had takeaways of the defense. I mean, you know, obviously not enough. Miles Garrett did have a sack there in crunch time to give the Browns another chance. Here's what I noticed with the defense, and especially the pass rush. Mahomes didn't exactly have an easy time. They were just, on, on more than one occasion, they just came up half a step, half a second short. And in, in, in a couple of instances, he made a fade for it. The Tariq Hill pass, that was him scrambling to get away from a pass rush and finding him the way only only Patrick Mahomes can find someone like that. So, you can't beat them up too much. And you know I spent last year beating them up a lot. And when it came right down to it and the offense needed to get the ball back, with an opportunity to win, to, to win. the defense showed up. Miles Garrett and, and Jadavion Clowney basically met at Mahomes and it squashed. There's your opportunity. Boom, offense, go do your job. Yeah, Miles talked about that. You know, he thought that, you know, he knew he needed to make a play. He thought, you know, he, you know he'd set things up to, you know, pull this off that he had confidence that Baker could do it. So, you know, he said he wanted to go and get the ball out, but he wasn't able to. I mean, he did regret that, but um, he did put them in position to win. What about Baker today? I mean, you guys were in the locker room. I'm sure it was asked, what was he doing on the interception? Was he trying to make a play or was he trying to, to throw it away? Like T Tony Romo's guest on television. Baker said he was trying to throw it away. I think he said it should have been three rows up in the stands, um, but he got tripped up there and that that ruined things. And uh, he even said that the tight end who was right there, Harrison Bryant, uh, apologized to him. And Baker's like, it's not your fault. I was trying to throw it away. So Harrison Bryant, I think, was just as perplexed uh, about the real intent uh, as, as we were watching. But I thought Baker was – lethally accurate for the vast majority of the day. And that's why I just think that this is like so heartbreaking for the Browns because I thought he came out on fire. Obviously the offense as a whole did. I mean, they were rushing touchdowns on those, uh, you know, three consecutive possessions possessions to, to begin the game. But I thought Baker was pinpoint accurate. Uh, and then he had a bad ball on their second uh, – Second to last possession, he said that that breakup was not on Anthony Schwartz, and he didn't even say it was a good defensive play. He just said it was a bad ball. And so for him to have such an accurate performance, you know, I mean, for him to um, be on point with, with his location and then to have that, you know, in one of the biggest moments of the game, that that that's really tough. 
and then obviously the interception on, on trying to throw it away and everything. But I thought overall he really looked good today and just kind of that was the story of the game. The Browns looked great for most of the day. Baker looked great for most of the day. But just, you know, in the clutch, they didn't get it done. I want to hit a couple things real quick so you guys can get back to writing. First of all, the Ronnie Harrison thing. I I don't know how to parse blame in that situation since replay clearly showed that the coach, and as a player, you've got to keep your head, but the KC coach pushed him first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. So Ronnie looked like to me it was trying to – so he makes a tackle on the sideline uh, on Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then was trying to kind of step over him. And it looks like Edwards Hilaire, like one of his legs was like raising. And like, so Ronnie, one of Ronnie's, Ronnie basically stepped on him, but not like stepped on him, like really like hard. It was like, it was like a, a leg made contact with the cleat. And, you know, then I think that the chief sideline was trying to get uh, Edward Tolera up, and in that uh, sequence, the coach, uh, the running backs coach, I think his name's Greg Lewis. He definitely pushed Harrison, and the problem was Harrison's. Uh, it is Greg Lewis. Harrison's reaction was was too aggressive. And what do they always say, George? They always catch. They never catch the instigator. They always catch the second guy. That's what they say. Classic and example. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Second point I wanted to make before you guys go, the Browns actually seem, seem to have a, a plan for Schwartz. And we saw it on full display today. I, I wasn't expecting them to use him the way they they did. I mean, they, they used him like they would use Odell Beckham Jr. That was their way to take the top off the defense, I think. And, and with the exception – of the one defensive play, he really showed up. And we hadn't seen a lot of that, a lot of him in training camp. So what do you think of what he did today? I thought, well, you know, Andrew Berry's been talking about speed, and it's obvious that they think that is a huge weapon that they have to use. I mean, I I was very impressed with Schwartz just because he'd been, you know, hurt for most of training camp. The fact that he you know, even, you know, was up to speed and knew everything and was so involved. I mean, he was out there really early, you know, and and really involved. I mean, it was almost like he was a key part of this game plan. So I, I, I thought that I thought he did a heck of a job for especially considering, you know, how long he'd been sidelined at camp. Any thoughts? Any thoughts? I totally agree. I, I mean, he, he was such a non-factor for most of camp with the hamstring issues. We knew about the speed, but we just didn't get to see him on the field much, and he showed up today. So if he can stay healthy, we can see what kind of weapon he can be. He's like what they wanted to do with JoJo Natson last year, but he's like a deluxe I have version. Thought, yeah. yeah, he's like a deluxe version of that. Um, and JoJo is obviously, you know, he's still with the Browns on a practice squad, but you know, JoJo. He had the torn ACL last year, week three, and then they just they you know essentially abandoned that that package uh, plays for a specific guy, and I think that uh, Anthony Schwartz is that guy this year, and off to a, a really good start. You know, obviously showed up 
well today. It's interesting um, what that'll look like when when Odell Beckham Jr. comes back. You know, I mean, there's just not enough to go around. Like Rashard Higgins didn't get targeted today, despite Odell being out. Uh, DPJ started. Uh, he only had one target. It was a catch on a slant on the final possession. Uh, but Landry and Schwartz were were really the main targets. And then we saw a lot of the three tight ends. I thought that was interesting. That was a wrinkle um, that they used quite a bit. And Njoku really had a yeah. – he carried over what we saw in training camp, looking looking really good and having a, a nice day with a few catches, big chunk yardage plays and contested grabs at that. All right, Nate. So what do I owe you? We had a bet. You, you owe – well – you don't owe me anything. You just owe me friendship. And, oh. <laughs> Come on. And I appreciate it. No, but um, no, here's the thing. Like, this was a great game. This is what I thought it would be, really. But, you know, the Browns are right there, and that's the good news for them. I don't think this team's overhyped. I mean, I think that they are every bit of the contender we thought they were. And, you know, it's going to be a marathon, though. We'll see how, how the rest of it goes, and we'll be here to cover every bit of it. But, you know, you got to stay healthy, um, and you got to continue to evolve and adjust, adapt to what people are trying to do to you. And, you know, we'll see if Odell Beckham Jr. comes back. Today, Stefanski said after the game, it's a possibility when he was asked about the home opener Sunday against Houston. So Houston, it's like it's one of those games where what are the storylines? Really, there are a bunch of ex-Browns players on the Texans roster, but no big names. It could be OBJ's return, though. Real quick, was there a Jed Wells update? Just that he needs more tests is what Stefanski said. Um but Baker said he thought he was, you know, proud of the way Hubbard played and, you know, kind of stepped up under fire. So, I mean, that was a big thing for Hubbard, too. He, that's, he's coming off that major surgery after dislocating his kneecap. So, um, I mean, that was – I thought they did pretty well considering you lost your left tackle, you know, in sort of a, you know, right kind of when the game was on getting tough. Yeah. Jedrick yeah. Wills is, like, cursed against the Chiefs. I feel so bad for him. He was hurt on at the very beginning of that uh, playoff game, January 17th. He had a high ankle sprain and a lateral ankle sprain, two types of ankle sprains on the same play. Um, and it took him like two months of the offseason to rehab from that. I talked to him all about it during training camp. So here he is with another game against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, really amped up to try to, you know, make the difference that he thought he could in the playoffs but wasn't able to. And that's, it's another ankle injury. So I feel for him. But – um, we'll see. And, you know, that's why Chris Hubbard's so valuable. You really need, you need depth everywhere. And fortunately for the Browns, they have it in a lot of key areas. All right, guys, I'll let you get back to work. Enjoy the rest of KC and the rest of your evening. And we're going to call it a night. For Nate Ulrich, Molly Reinauer, I'm George Thomas, and we'll talk to you next week.